Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Right after I was almost killed in a car accident and my second best friend was sitting right beside me at 18 years old, ended up being healed instead of being in the hospital 77 to 140 days as projected. I was healed by the 15th day because a great interest in my life for healing. That plus, at five years old, my maternal grandmother, who was illiterate, told me that she heard the audible voice of God. She had a big goiter, and he said, go into the other room, which is like four feet away. And she showed me this as a little boy. She said, took me by the hand and took me to the corner of the bedpost and said, right here is where I heard that voice. Here is where I prayed, and I felt a hot hand go down my throat, and the goiter instantly vanished. And at the time, they didn't know how to treat them. And it created interest. There's a little great-grandson sitting on my great-grandmother's lap in black-and-white television. I was mesmerized by Oral Roberts' healing tent, and I'm not yet five years old. There's just something about healing that's attracted me. It was the pursuit of healing that caused me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And more than once, it's, it's kind of been like the great pursuit of my life. And uh, since um, 1984, I've been very actively praying for healing. And in 1994, in January, we had a breakthrough, and I saw more people get healed in January 94 than I'd seen in total since I started ministry in 1970. So in 25 years, total ministry in one month, mainly in one two-week period, uh, there's just this breakthrough. Sometimes I could connect breakthrough to someone laid hands on me. Sometimes it was through a new discovery of truth in the Word of God. Sometimes it was after a long fast. But this one, it had the biggest breakthrough I could point to nothing except you've been knocking on this door for 25 years. It's time it opened in the sovereignty of God. So I just want to encourage you, whether you need healing tonight or you want to be used for healing tonight, that you keep knocking on the door. Particularly if there's no other hope, where else can you go? For those of you who would be interested, um, I worked it out with Destiny Image, one of our publishers, and we have a a free um, booklet that you can get. They created an e-booklet. They're going to put it on the screen, and all you have to do is just do what it says there. It's a text, Randy Clark to 21,000, and then it will show you how that you'll get that delivered to you free. It's actually an excerpt of one chapter on the Word of Knowledge, which I'll speak on tomorrow morning. Uh, and pray for that to be activating people's lives tomorrow morning as well. But that book, The Power um, to Heal, and the sequel to it, The Healing Breakthrough, everything I do tonight will be explained why I do it in the book, uh, The Healing Breakthrough, uh, which is the first half of the book deals with bad teaching and bad practices that will cause people not to have faith for healing. And the second half of the book is biblical teaching and practices that actually encourages uh, faith for healing in a a meeting. 
So in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, it says, from that time, this is when John had been uh, beheaded. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven uh, is at hand. Now this word repent in Greek is metanoia. And it literally means change the way you are thinking because the power of God's kingdom is at hand or within our grasp. And because of that reality, we can't think the way we have before. We can't think in the realm of these, these things are impossible because he said all things are possible. And he wants us to think differently. I know that I think differently than I used to. You know that your mind is being renewed when the impossible makes sense. You know your mind is being renewed when you know that in the normal, why shouldn't it be thinking this is a possibility? It would be crazy to think that this could be changed, but it makes sense to you because you're aware of a greater power, the power of God's kingdom. I do not think that when a miracle takes place that God breaks the laws that we know I think he uses a law that we maybe have not yet discovered. For example, when the law of gravity is overcome every time I take off in an airplane, that many tons of metal shouldn't be flying. But there's another law of aerodynamics that is greater than the law of gravity. I believe in when we see miracles that there's laws that our science has not yet discovered, but God created those laws and there's spiritual laws. And there, there, it's, it's that God is a God of order and it would be very proud of us humans to think that we have discovered everything there is to know in reality. We, we know all truth presently. I, I know we don't. And I, there's so many things that intrigue me. For example, why is it that over 50% of the people who have a major healing or a miracle experience tremendous heat. And why is it sometimes they don't experience heat and they still get healed? Why is it is almost equally 50, 60% of the time when people experience a healing, um, they feel energy in their body. And yet maybe 40, 50% of the other time, the other people don't. I don't understand that. I'd love to be able to do a study that just that what's happening when their body's heating up. I remember praying for a woman one time. She had no faith she was going to be healed. I had a gift of faith she was going to be healed. I don't usually have a gift of faith. A gift of faith is when you know what you're about to say. There's no doubt it's going to happen. It's not something you work. It's not the same as your metron of faith, your measure of faith, as Paul speaks of in Romans 12. If you're going to prophesy, prophesy according to the measure of faith. But it's because it's not your faith. It's his faith that he created in you. Sometimes there are certain things that you've seen God do so many times, you just have such a strong faith that it looks like you have the gift of faith. The only thing I have that for is to see people get healed who are in pain from surgeries and where they had some type of artificial material implanted in their body. That's the only thing that, and just recently in the last two years, uh, psoriatic arthritis and particularly in women. And it happened just because of, of us, this pastor said, would you stay and pray for this pastora in her church, in, in the church? And I said, yeah. And I was praying for 
It's the first time I'd ever prayed for anybody to have psoriatic arthritis. And I'm explaining to her, you know, you could feel heat going through your body. If you do, I want you to tell me, interrupt me and tell me. I'm just giving her instructions. I haven't even started praying yet. And as I, but I put my hand on her neck like that. And as I'm just trying to instruct her in the interview about what might happen, she said, well, it's happening. I said, what's happening? He said, what you're talking about? I said, you mean heat? Yes. And it's getting stronger in my neck. Long story short, she gets healed right there. And I'm getting ready to walk down because I want to watch Joseph Garland, who's a great preacher that had gone with us on our team. And he's going to be preaching there. I wanted to watch him. And then the, the woman said, well, we have another pastora, a woman pastor, that has the same thing. She too has severe psoriatic arthritis to the point that she is in excruciating pain and is, you know, just barely able to handle life. And, but I didn't know it, but she had been watching this other woman get healed. And so I said, what's wrong? And she told me and we started praying and the pain moved around and, uh, uh, and I got the other woman, will you come over and help me? Because she had just been healed. And when you've just been healed of something, you have faith for it. Long story short, that other woman gets healed. I've never prayed for psoriatic arthritis in my life till two years ago in December. Until then. I thought, well, that is strange, two in a row. And the next night is another church in the same city. And at the end of the meeting, this woman, a woman missionary came up and said, I need prayers near the end of the meeting. And I said, what do you have? She said, I have psoriatic arthritis. Now, I've never prayed for psoriatic arthritis until the night before. I pray, and she's, she's crippled with it. And she starts stomping her feet, clapping her hands like she couldn't do any of that. And she gets healed. Long story short, in the next few months, I prayed for 12 women in a row of psoriatic arthritis. And 12 of them in a row were healed. And I'd never seen it before. And the 13th one wasn't. But I have a lot of faith now for praying for psoriatic arthritis, particularly in women, though I think it could be the same with men, but I just, that's just what's happening. That is a, because of a history of seeing what God does, he can increase your faith. And I want to talk about healing. I want to talk about faith. And I want to talk uh, of, about the difference between uh, the gift of faith, great faith, little faith, the rest of faith, and how God creates faith for healing in the meeting. And I'm going to be telling you some stories as well as reading some more scriptures. In 1 John 3, 8, it says the reason Jesus appeared was so that he might destroy the works of the devil. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sickness is, does not come, is not from God. It's the, the destroyer. And God come, came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. We look at Jesus and see what the Father's like. He went about healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. He, and and uh, Peter said that in Acts 10, 38. After he was baptized with John and his uh, Holy Spirit was upon him, he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. We want to see that happen tonight. The inbreak of the kingdom, the power of God, and to be surprised by what he does. In um, Psalms 103, David is speaking to himself and he said, pray in verse two, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits who forgives us of all of our sins. You believe that? Says it in the word, right? He forgives us of all of our sins. Next part of all the benefits we're to thank him for and heals us of all of our diseases. 
Does that mean everybody gets healed every time? Doesn't seem that that's what it means. Even in Nazareth, Jesus could only heal a few because of their unbelief. But it does mean there is no disease known to humankind that's beyond the pale of God's power to heal. For a long time, I would always say, schizophrenia is my Goliath. I've never seen schizophrenia healed as a few years ago. Now we've had three people get healed of schizophrenia. it It was the Goliath that existed for a long, long time. But we're seeing it. Things that we didn't see get healed, we see. There are still some things, there's still some Goliaths we're coming against. Still some Goliaths. If we keep pushing on it, I believe that we will see even breakthroughs there. Sometimes we think that the number of people get healed in a meeting is all due to the sovereignty of God. That's all he wanted to do. There would have been more people healed if it had been God's will to heal. I would like to suggest to you that that's faulty, unbiblical thinking. It puts the onus of the little that we see on God. I was at, um, several years ago, quite a few years ago, I was at Bill Johnson's church in Redding, California at Bethel. And at that time, we were seeing, um, there had been a season where we, and that was for about two years, 3% of the crowd there'd be 3% healings to the number of people there. So if there's 1,000 people there, there'd been 30 people get healed. And, it's all, and for almost 30 years now, it's happened this way. 50% would be from the platform, word of knowledge, and prayer from the platform. And the second 50% would be after the meeting when the ministry team laid hands on the people and prayed. It, it broke even. And it's 30 years later, that's still off, I mean, very, very close to what we usually see. So that night, though, instead of 30, uh, 15 people being healed from the platform as I was ministering and word of knowledge, 25 did, which is only five short of what we normally see the whole night. And the ministry hasn't even ministered yet. And I was very happy about it. And then I got this very strong impression. I want to do more than you think I do. And you're limiting me and you're blaming me for what little you're seeing. He said, I want you to pray like Abraham did for Sodom and Gomorrah. But instead of going down 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, I want you to ask me for more according to the measure of your faith. Now I have to say, my measure of faith was already topped off at 25. That's more than we usually would see. That's almost twice what we'd normally see. But when I heard that word, that word wasn't me trying to stir up my own faith. It was the work of God encouraging me into faith. So I told the crowd, I process out loud. <laughs> Bill said, I like to watch you teach because we learn as you're learning because you process out loud in front of us. And uh, I said, I told him, I said, how many do you think we should ask for? And he said, well, let's ask for 50. So all right, let's, anybody still need to be healed? There was, so we asked for 50. Gave a few more words and prayed again and counted. And now we had a total, I think, let me look, make sure, 54. We So he asked again, anybody still need to be healed? Let's ask God for more. And we ended up, let's ask him for 75. Prayed again, counted, is exactly 75. Let's ask him again. We're going to ask for 100. Now, that's before the ministry team comes. Normally, it would have been 30 at the end of the night. 
We're asking you for a hundred. And when we got done praying and counted, there was 137 people before the ministry team prayed. Normally it was 15. And the Lord said, now you see what I want to do. And what was holding me back was you. I don't mean you. I mean me, the person leading the ministry. It is my responsibility to try to build faith by teaching about the goodness of God, the nature of God, the character of God, to build faith in you. I hope I do a good job tonight. I'm going to try my best not to touch his glory because I can't heal anybody. God is the healer. But he does want to do more than what we think he does. And when we limit, because I want to make, so I, I, I discovered over time, I was at a huge Baptist church that had grown from 300 when we first went there. And we'd, we'd gone every year for many years down in Brazil. And now it's running 30 some thousand in the, in the, in the church, in, in the city. Uh, the, and this is one of the second or third times we went. And the Lord brought this scripture to my mind. And I, I looked it up and it, it was um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. It says, um, as it is written, this is David, I mean, Paul quoting David, as it is written, we believed, therefore we have spoken. That's a quote from David. And then Paul goes ahead and says, and in that same spirit of faith, we too believe and therefore we speak. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, if you believe I'm going to do something, you need to tell the people what you actually believe. Now that I don't mean hype. I hate hype. Hype is saying God's doing something when he's not. And I think if you hype, 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 it's like Chicken Little saying the sky's falling. No, eventually, no one's going to believe you. You've lost all your integrity. The difference between what I'm talking about and hype is hype, like I said, saying God's doing it when he's not. This is a declaration of what I actually do expect. And so I, I, I started noticing that now after the meeting we had at Bill's church, we always had 10% now instead of 3%. That is, it never went down past that. And Bill, they had healings every week. Now they begin to have healings every day as their church went out and it never went back down. And for many years, it stated a ratio of numbers of healings. And I'm talking about if you have 10 things wrong with you and you get healed of two, we don't say you got healed. We said you had two healings because you still have eight left to go. And so we're talking about the conditions that were healed. And uh, so I was keeping track and I noticed it seems to be like 10%. So we went to this uh, place that was speaking to 8,000 people under one roof and had three layers as big. It's the biggest place I'd ever been at the time. And I was noticing this. And I felt like God had said, say what you believe I'm going to do. So I started saying, I'd find out how many people are here. And they'd tell me. And I'd figure 10% of that. I just believe that's going to be healed because we've been seeing God do that. I have faith for that. And since I have faith for that, I'm going to declare what I am expecting God to do. Honestly expect. So I want to make a declaration for tonight. I believe before the night's over and before everybody goes home, that there will be a hundred conditions healed tonight. 50 before the ministry team and the other 50 from the ministry team. Now, those of you that's on the ministry team that you're going to help me with the laying on of hands at the end of the meeting. And because that's important because a lot of people don't understand how 
word of knowledge and healing works. It just doesn't make sense to them yet. And because of that, um, they don't have as much faith for that as they do the laying on of hands. And there's not, I'm not saying it's bad. That's just where different people are at. And so we, we want to honor both ways that God heals. And I like always to have a team because I don't want the focus being on me because God is the one who does it. So I, I'm, I'm at this place with 8,000 people. I said, how many of you? He said, 8,000 people. So I got up and the first thing I said, but I believe tonight before the night's over, there'll be 800 healings. And you could actually hear the, <gasps> and I'm thinking, they don't understand. That's really not a lot. That's not strong faith. That's just, I understand God's faithfulness. That's what we've been seeing him do now for several years. Until just recently, because I was told a while ago, there's about 500 people in here. And we always see almost 10%. Two years ago, it started going to 20%. And that's why I said we could have 100 people get healed. I'm, I'm, I'm going to believe that this church is going to be a place that's not going to be hard. That it's going to be a place of faith because I know you've been taught faith. And that made me feel, ah, even though it's the United States, we're going to go for the 20% tonight. And, and, and I actually, and what I'm, what I'm trying to do, I'm going to, tell you, I'm going to tell you why I did that. Because if you're expecting 10, I want to, I'm trying to shift the atmosphere by an honest belief of what we see normally to help you have a greater expectation. I want to explain a, a lot of things in the next 24 minutes. Um, so, in Exodus chapter 33, in verse 13, Moses said, if I found favor in your sight, then show me your ways. Sometimes it'll say, teach me your ways. Sometimes that verse, another trend, will show me your ways, so I may know you. Let me make a declaration. The more we learn about the ways of God, the more we recognize his presence in our midst. The more we learn about the ways of God, we, the more we recognize, oh, that was the Lord. Coincidence become providence. Now, I made up a word there. I think it's a made up word. I don't. So there's this word providence and a coincidence, but there's a coincident. That was a coincidence. I call a provident. It's one of those moments that God made it happen and brought it together. And to understand sometimes these providence is you're in a meeting and, and you have a condition and a lot of the illustrations is about a condition that you have that needs to be healed. He said, well, that's just coincident. No, it's provident because there's so many hundreds of illustrations that we could use. So I was in the, in the 18th verse of the same chapter, 33 of Exodus, Moses then says, now, show me your glory. Glory and power, I said this morning, are parallel synonyms to both Paul and uh, the Apostle John. And so he says, now show me your glory. I would like to say, I, I want to see God's glory, because when we see God's glory, we see his glory, number one way in Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, both, is through what he does. The second way we, God reveals his glory is when somebody who has been touched by his healing or his miracle, testifies to it. Now, have you ever heard it said about the speaker? Be careful for the speakers. You don't want a speaker that touches God's glory. And what that means is, takes credit for what God does. 
And that's a bad thing. I don't want to touch God's glory. (laughs) Hopefully you don't want me to touch God's glory. But did you know you could touch God's glory? And we say, well, how how could you touch God's glory? God gets glory by what he does and the testimony of what he does. In almost every culture, there's uh, what I think and call a philosophy of demons. And in in New Zealand and England and Australia, it's very clear and other places have been. And it's called the tall poppy syndrome or something similar. And it means it's something that don't testify, don't draw attention to yourself because that would be pride. It's actually the fear of men often that keeps people from testifying. And there's all these reasons why, well, I'll, I'll check it out. I'll wait for, you know, uh, two months from now. And then if I'm still here, I'll give a testimony about it. What we testify about is exactly what happens tonight. Now, having said that, I'm going to ask you to do some things to participate with me in this service tonight that can help build faith. And if, if you don't do it, it actually will hurt faith. I learned this from a famous healing evangelist in Argentina named Omar Cabrera. And we were in a, a church in Guatemala City. And I, most of what I learned, I learned from either John Wimber or Omar Cabrera. And for dealing with crowds, I learned from Omar Cabrera. And I, I was there and watching him because he was a hero of mine. And he said, if you have a condition I call out, I want you to stand up immediately. And then he would emphasize, the moment you stand up, if you begin to sense something getting better, heat, energy... Something happening, put your hand in the air and if it increases, wave it. But the moment you're at least 80% better or more, wave both hands like this. I'm watching this and I don't understand it. After I said, Omar, I, I got to ask you questions. Why did you say that? Why don't you just say at the end that everybody that one of those words is for, would you stand up now? That would feel less awkward for them to stand up that way. And, and, and why do you do all this hand waving stuff? And he looked at me and said, because you don't understand how people think on how faith works. I said, well, explain. He said, Randy, if I give four or five words of knowledge and nobody stands up, the people begin to think I'm not hearing from God. I'm missing God. And faith, no matter if it's kind of high, it'll start going down in the meeting because they think he's not hearing from God. On the other hand, if we call out a word and people stand up that they have it, faith begins to rise. If someone gets healed and they start doing that, if I said 100%, there wouldn't be near as many people do this because I'm not going to wait for two days or two weeks for the healing to manifest. We're going to inspect in a matter of seconds to minutes. And there will be many times more people that God started to heal, but they're not totally healed. And most people don't feel like they can do this if they're not 100% yet. So I give them permission to acknowledge where they really are. 80% is a significant degree of improvement in a short period of time. Now, having said that, I do not want you to wave your hands that you're healed because you're believing for the healing that took place at Calvary 2,000 years ago. There's nothing wrong with that, and there's a place for that. But it misrepresents what I'm asking. I'm asking we want to know the people who tonight, in a short period of time, that you're, you can do something you couldn't do, your pain levels went down, you are at least 
80% better. So once I started doing that, I saw a huge breakout. And then I noticed something else. People were getting healed before there was a prayer. And so I, I tried that in Argentina and it worked. I came back from Argentina and I went to North Carolina. It was a, a vineyard church and I'm, I'm sharing with them. And I said, I want to believe that God is just as strong in America as he is Argentina. I don't believe cancer, arthritis, anything else is stronger there than here. And the only difference, I'm the same, God's the same, sickness and disease the same. The only difference is what we're expecting. So I invite you into an expectant place tonight to believe that you could be healed before there's a prayer. Now, why is that important? Because most people are healed when they are in that moment, they're expecting the healing. If you don't expect to get healed before there's a prayer, guess what? You don't see much. Why? Because that's, we are feeling, this is where it's going to happen. And we want to take those conditions off. And so we called out some conditions and people in the United States and I had been doing this for now, by that time, 12, 12 years, since 84, and this was like 96. For the first time, it happened. What was the difference? For the first time, I told them you could get healed before there's a prayer, and I expect it could happen. I went to four churches in the East and in several in California. It happened everywhere we went. What changed? Did the sovereignty of God change or did the expectation of what people were expecting change? It was, the, it was the change in the expectation that brought about the change. And Scripture teaches if we believe something's going to happen, declare it. Because I'm hoping if I do a good job, I can cause you to expect what I'm expecting. And maybe some of you already expect more than I, I don't know. I want to talk about the relationship between revel uh, gifts of revelation and gifts of power. When we don't understand what a word of knowledge is, matter of fact, Omar Cabrera taught me, don't do words of knowledge in a service if you've not taught about it yet. That's why it always, the first night takes me a little longer because I'm trying to explain what we're doing. And by the way, the, the, I was in a Baptist church in Brazil, about 5,000 people were there and I was talking about it, what I'm talking to you about. And as I was talking, you can get healed without even being prayed for. A woman stood up next to the sound booth in, and literally, I, I, I'm, I'm during the sermon. I'm not, I'm, not even, I'm, not, I'm not even expecting this to happen. And, and she stood up and started doing this. And the, the night before had been pretty tough. You know, it was kind of hard, like pulling teeth to get to see people healed. And, and because there hadn't been any time to teach, I very strongly believe faith is related to teaching. And I believe that teaching pastors are extremely important to see an atmosphere and culture of healing develop in a church. You can have apostolic people come in, and healing evangelists come in, but if you want to sustain it, there has to be that teaching of the people by the by, the, by pastors and teachers, that's important. So anyway, um, I was teaching and, and I had said, you could get healed before there's a prayer. And that woman stood up and I took faith and she didn't stand up in faith to be healed. She had been healed. God just helped us out. And she stood up and did this. In that moment, that service changed. 
In that moment, that traditional, not a charismatic Baptist, but traditional Baptist church, when they saw what I was saying, it just happened. It all of a sudden exploded faith amongst their people. They knew her. And then all of a sudden, all over the place, people start standing up and they're getting healed. It was, a, it was an amazing thing to, to watch. Recently, well, because of COVID, we lost a year. But um, uh, last time I was in Brazil, uh, I had an intern with me. And we went to this uh, uh, church and we saw an amazing miracle. So the next time we're there, two months later, we go to this four-square church. And there's 2,500 people in there. And it's packed. And when you walk in, you could feel the electric faith in the room. I mean, you could feel faith. You know what it says about Paul? He saw faith. <laughs> you could actually look at this situation and know this place is full of faith. And we had um, 1,288 healings in about 15 minutes, uh, 30 minutes maybe, out of 2,500 people in the room. And there was 500 more on the outside that couldn't get in. But it was so electric. The next night, we went, we split the team into four or five teams and went to four or five different churches. And when we got to my little team, when we got there, there were 15 people in the room. And it was so discouraging. I think, why couldn't we have stayed last night where we were at? Why did we have to do this? And the pastor was embarrassed, so he took us back to the green room and waited all the way up through worship, a whole hour of worship. And we come out. Now there's about 500 people there. But you could cut the unbelief in the room. I don't know what had happened. I don't know if they had lost some people. I don't know what had happened. It was the same denomination, but you could feel unbelief. You could feel the lack of hope, the lack of faith. And I remember that night when I began to teach, I started out, this is not the way you normally build faith, but I started out by saying, if I had to believe that what happens tonight will be based upon the level of faith that you have, I wouldn't have much faith that God's going to do something tonight. But my faith isn't in your level of faith. My faith is in what I believe God is going to do in this service to build our faith. My faith is in what God is going to do. So I have a message in mind and I thought that I need to explain word of knowledge, gifts of revelation to gifts of healing. You see, the word of knowledge gift helps us to know what God wants to do in a particular service. For example, if I said, how many of you believe it's God's will to heal your own, raise your hand. If I said, how many of you believe it's God's will to heal you? You're probably still going to raise your hand. But if I asked, not in theory, but actual, see, change the word faith or believe to the word strong expectation. How many of you have a strong expectation? Tonight will be the night of your healing often the numbers of hands go down because we believe it is God's will to heal. We believe in principle we will be healed, but whether or not we are expecting to be healed in tonight's service is different. I, strong expectations, my synonym for faith, to try to make it simple. And so I try to explain, we know that 
if we know it's God's will, the timing of it. So I often will pick out somebody in a crowd and I say, walk up to them and I'll say, um, let's say the one right here on the, yeah, that your wife better be. <laughs> let's say, if Jesus appeared to you in a vision and he came to you in a vision, what's your name? Kathleen? And he said, Kathleen, I want to heal you physical conditions tonight. Now, I don't know if you have any or not, but if you did, how would that make you feel? I didn't say think. How would it make you feel if you, Jesus stood in front of you in a vision and said, Kathleen, tonight I'm going to heal you. You'd feel loved. Okay. Anything else? Expectant. Is that what you said? Special. Okay. Would there be any body language? Would there be any demonstration of your feeling on the inside? Would you be? Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) Thank you for your honesty. (laughs) Do you have anything wrong with you physically that needs to be healed? Pretty any. I don't, I don't want to know what it is, but, but sometimes I'll ask people to say, well, I'd be happy. I'd be, like I said, well, what would it look like? Some people say, well, I'd start crying because I feel so loved. Or I'd be so happy. I'd be excited. And sometimes it, I, I ask them then, well, when would you be expectant? When would you be excited? When would you feel special? Would it be when you began to feel something happening? Or would it be as soon as he told you, I'm going to heal you tonight? I know I'm leading my witness now. But it'd be as soon as he told me. I remember one time I was doing this in a, um, a meeting in Dayton, Ohio. And there was a... African, African-American woman on my left over here and she had a big bright red coat on. I thought, well, that'll make it easy to point her out and, you know, to everybody. She'll know that I'm talking to her because it'll be easy to see. And uh, so I picked her out of the crowd and I did the same thing I just did to you. And I said, the, the African-American woman with the red coat on and I did the same thing. If God came to you, Jesus came to you in a vision and, and, and as soon as I said the African-American woman with the red coat, I didn't get to do it. She ruined my illustration. I mean, she totally ruined it. I didn't get to ask her anything else. When I said, the African-American woman with the red coat on, she said, oh my God, I can't believe it, I can't believe it. Oh, I can't believe it. He called me, called me, called me, called me. And she gets out and she's going around and she's, she's healed. I mean, she got healed. And then she said, I brought her up. She said, I've been out there waiting for two hours. I've got so many things wrong with me. I wanted to get in here. I'm so sick. I had, I've had this for years. I got these knee problems. I got the shoulder problems. I've got this. I got the digestive problem. I had all these problems. I felt so sick. And, and he, you called me. I knew it's me. He wanted to heal me. And as soon as you said me, I knew I'm about to be healed. And bam, I was healed. And then she came up on stage and she starts doing these squats and she starts doing these kicks and she starts doing all this stuff. I remember one time I really made a bad mistake in a big church in Brazil. I, was, I looked over on my left and I, I thought I saw a blonde, younger woman. 
asked her the question. And she said, yeah, I would be excited. So I start walking toward her. So I'm thinking, I'm going to just go. And the closer I get to her, the more I see. Well, she's not blonde, she's gray. And the closer I get, the older she's getting. <laughs> The, the, the distance is she's aging by my step. I mean, by the time I get there, she's like in her 70s. And then I get closer and I see she, and she's got crutches underneath her chair. Why did I pick this woman out of this crowd? But before she went home that night, she was healed. And she did go home with the crutches over her shoulder. There, and so the point I wanted to make is, if God shows somebody something he wants to do, then you know about the timing. I know it's God's will to heal me one day, but now I know it's tonight's the night he wants to do it. And it, it takes you into an expectation you just can't work up. God created it. He created faith. So what anyway, I'm talking about, so I, I want to explain this. So I tell in that Foursquare church about my friend, who's my assistant, uh, intern I'm working with, named... Um, Marcus. And we'd been at this other church two months earlier, and he had a word of knowledge. He had a vision of a, of a red helmet with a black face, a uh, face shield, and scratches all across the top of it where there'd been a wreck, and the, you could see they'd been damaged to the. And he gave that word of knowledge at the other church two months earlier, and on the platform was about, were about 40. 50 pastors, including women pastors, pastors. And one of them instantly started weeping. And she stood up weeping and started walking toward him, to my friend. Before she gets to him, she's already healed. And it was like 15 years earlier, she had been riding a motorcycle. She had a red helmet on with a black face shield and was in the wreck, landed on her head and scratched it all up. And she, she knew, this is me. And in that moment, and she had been 15 years, and she's a Pentecostal preacher, been prayed for many times. But in that word of knowledge, God created the gift of faith in her. She had understanding of this means tonight's my night. And by the time she gets to him, she's already healed. He didn't, he didn't even pray. So I, th I, so I said, I'm going to tell that story. So I just finished telling the story. I just told you. And a door over there opened up, sliding door. In walks a young man who arrived an hour, hour and a half late. He's got his girlfriend with him. They arrived on a motorcycle. She's carrying a red helmet with a black face shield in her left hand. Now you can say, well, that's just coincidence. Wasn't for me, because I said underneath my breath to God, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I knew. God wants to heal her. She was young. She's like 30 years old. Most 30 years don't even need to be healed. And she's walking. She can't see me. I try to get her attention. She gets all the way to the back. She turns around and says, hey, the woman, you're about to sit down. Do you need to be healed of something? She's, yes, I do. I said, come here. God's about to heal you. And so I brought her right up in front of everybody because I had a gift of faith. Because I'm making a connection here. This is a divine providential moment. And God's set this all up to help the people's faith. And we start praying. She gets hot. She starts sweating. The power of God's going, the healing anointing's going through her and she's getting healed. She had several conditions wrong with her. And while that's going on, all of a sudden, pangles down between my shoulders and I called that out and some people stood up and said, God's going to heal you. I'm not even going to pray for you. Just trying to do what you can. And two or three of them got healed. 
This one gets healed. They all go back. Now I'm going to start the sermon over. And as I get ready to start the sermon, I feel this pain in my, in my uh, uh, ankles. And I had people stand up and said, roll your ankles. Do what you can't do. God's going to heal you. I don't think I'm going to have to pray. They did. And they got healed. I said, now I'll start my message. I started to do the message. And, I, and, and, and uh, it's in my knees. And I felt like God said, there's going to be seven people get healed. So I said, I think there's seven of you got a problem in your knees. And God's going to heal you. Eight people stood up. So I just admitted, I'm sorry, I missed it. I thought it was seven. Obviously, I missed it. Eight people stood up. We prayed at the end of the prayer. I said, now, check it out. Seven of them. Now, I'm excited. Every time God was doing that, the faith in that room was changing. You could literally sense the people are seeing what I was talking about. Faith rose. Last one before I was going to start my message. I felt a pain in my femur and I felt a pain in my shin. The shin came first and then the femur. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm going to say there's somebody here. You had two breaks in your right leg. It's, it's your shin and your femur. But what I said was there's somebody here. You on a motorcycle. I didn't plan to say that. You're on a motorcycle because uh, uh, inspired speech can be one of the ways the word of knowledge comes as well as feeling the pain, having an impression, seeing lots of ways. There's seven or eight at least. And um, this man on the back row stood up and he limped. He had been hurt on a motorcycle and the, back, the brakes had been so bad that one leg was shorter about like a half an inch than the other one. And as he's coming down, he gets healed and the limp stops. By that time, there is so much faith in that room that it had so little faith that I felt like God said, you don't even need to preach now. I just preached a sermon for you. I illustrated it. They have faith. And I invited the ministry team to, came up, to come up and they began to pray. And there's so many healings breaking out through the ministry team that by the time it was over, instead of the night before we'd had 1,288 out of 2,500, like almost 50%, we had about 75% healing to the numbers of people there. It was more than we'd had the night before. Smaller crowd, but it was more healing. God gets all the glory because you can't make those things happen. You're dependent upon him. So a word of knowledge from the Bible, from the biblical perspective. Remember Mark chapter 10 um, blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus is coming. Now, by the way, this actually is not a word of knowledge, but it's a beautiful illustration of one. Mark, tell, uh, and, and, uh, Mark 10, blind Bartimaeus, here's Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's, and he says it over and over and over. Somebody comes up to him and tells him to be still, but he won't be still. He just keeps crying out. Jesus hears him. And this is the illustration of the word of knowledge. What does Jesus do? He still does this. He spoke to a disciple and he gave one of his disciples a message for blind Bartimaeus. That's a word of knowledge. It's when God gives to one of his disciples a word for somebody in this room. So the man went to blind Bartimaeus and he said, on your feet, be encouraged. That's my biblical basis to ask you if there's a word of knowledge for you. On your feet, be encouraged. Work with me, not against me. Then he says four words. He is calling you. 
That's what a word of knowledge is. He's calling you in this service tonight. He wants you to know it's his will to heal you. You know, if it's a really general word, not so much, but if it's precise, you know, that's me. And it can be one word can hit three or four different people. So he stands up, took off the coat that was his social security disability card because it was given to him by the Sanhedrin that says this man's been checked out. It's a legitimate handicapped person. You see this coat, give him alms. He throws, takes it off, breaks his identity as blind Bartimaeus because he's calling me. He's heard my cry. He's calling me. I'm not going to need this anymore. Takes it off, throws it to the ground and goes and gets his sight. The, the first cry, I believe, is the cry of desperation. There's a difference between desperation and faith. But it's Jesus' response to his first cry that took him from desperation to faith. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.